0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt, and today we're going to talk about this. God wants you to be an influencer. What? You heard that right. We'll talk about it in just a second. So let's get started. Hey, it is 7, 11 a.m. in beautiful Sparta, Tennessee, and this is Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt, and today we're going to talk about something uh something that i wrote in my man up 40 day challenge playbook on day 15 uh and what i want to talk to you about is restoration see god wants influencers now in the 40 day playbook I've got this verse from Jeremiah out of the New Living Translation, and it is Jeremiah 15, 19. It says, this is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so that you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you'll be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. Uh, those are the words in Jeremiah fifteen nineteen uh, and the new living translation. And so what I want to do today is look at what led to that little moment, uh, and kind of dig a little deeper because here's the thing. Um, there are a ton of people out there who are following like influencers and, and they're just like hanging on their every word, waiting for like some gold nugget of wisdom to fall out of their mouth. And they think like, man, if I could just hear the right thing from, uh, people like, uh, my dude, Tony Robbins, right? Or if I can just hear the right thing from Grant Cardone, or if I could just hear the right thing from Simon Sinek, if I could just embrace this thing from Russell Brunson, then, then I'll be restored to my former wealth, my glory days. Then everything will go right for me. And that's what people kind of hang on today. But here's the reality. A lot of the advice that comes from influencers today, influencers uh, on social media is short-lived. It's, it's riding a wave of of buzzwords right now it's based on current trends and things like that so when the market shifts so does the value of their advice but the value of god never shifts never the value of god's advice never goes down never becomes less valuable see the bible shows us that god is the ultimate influencer and i'll get back to that in just a second but what i want to do is i'm going to read jeremiah 15 10 through 21 because here's the thing, a lot of times we turn to influencers, uh, folks on social media. We we seek wisdom from those folks because uh, we're going through a tough time. Because our life feels like it kind of sucks, right? So we start we start wallowing in our in, in self pity. We start uh, complaining about things not being the way that we'd like them to be, and because of that, we start seeking out people who who appear to have it better than we do, and we're like, okay. I'm in a bad way. Uh, things aren't going the way I want them to, so I'm going to seek out so and so. I'm going to model myself after so and so. But what I want to do today is read from Jeremiah 15 because I want I want to show you Jeremiah complaining, what God says, what Jeremiah says, and how God ultimately responds. Because I think there's a good life lesson here. So let's read through it. Jeremiah 15:10. By the way. The whole purpose of of going through this is to create some conversation without condemnation. It's to to try and grow in our relationship with Jesus, right? We're supposed to be committed disciples. We're supposed to be disciples, which are committed students. The only way we can do that is to study the Word and then live it out. And so we're going to study it this morning. So anyways, the purpose is to create some conversation without condemnation. We're not going to always agree on stuff, but we're not going to argue about it, right? Okay, there we go. Let's get going. Verse 10. Jeremiah's complaint, and by the way, things like this, verse numbers, those were not the original scrolls. Uh, They're just for reference point for us. So, anywho, here we go. Uh, Jeremiah's complaint. Then I said, what sorrow is mine, my mother? Oh, that I had died at birth. I'm hated everywhere I go. I'm neither a lender who threatens to foreclose. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. I'm neither a lender who threatens to foreclose nor a borrower refuses to pay yet they all curse me so jeremiah is just wallowing in his sorrows oh woe is me oh woe! i wish i died in birth because everywhere i go everybody hates me that's what he sounds like a big whiny baby how does god respond verse 11 the lord replied i will take care of you jeremiah your enemies will ask you to plead on their behalf in times of trouble and distress can a man break a bar of iron from the north or a bar of bronze at no cost to them, I will hand over your wealth and treasures as plunder to your enemies, for sin runs rampant in your land. I will tell your enemies to take you as captives in a foreign land, for my anger blazes like a fire that will burn forever. Let's look at this little footnote. In some Hebrew manuscripts, most read, will burn against you. Okay. Verse 15, and Jeremiah said this, Lord, you know what's happening to me. Please step in and help me. Punish my persecutors. Please give me time. Don't let me die young. It's for your sake that I'm suffering. When I discover your words, I devoured them. They're my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. O Lord, God of heaven's armies, I never joined the people in their merry feasts. I sat alone because your hand was on me. I was filled with indignation at their sins Why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that has gone dry. I want to pause on this for just a sec because it's kind of uh, interesting to read. So Jeremiah complains, hey, I wish I would have died at birth. Everywhere I go, people hate me. It's not like I'm lending money and threatening to take their stuff. It's not like I'm borrowing from people and refusing to pay. And God says, I'll take care of you. Your enemies will ask you to plead on their behalf in times of trouble and distress, right? Then God says some, some interesting stuff. Could a guy bring a bar of iron from the north, bar of bronze? He goes, but then God shifts and he goes, at no cost to them, I'm going to hand over your wealth, your treasures, your plunder, or, or as plunder to your enemies. For sin runs rampant in your land. So he sends, Jeremiah, you're watching all the sin take. He says, I'm going to tell your enemies to take you as a captive because I am so mad. And Jeremiah is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, God, you know what's going on here. Punish my person. Now, here's the interesting thing. I want to focus on verse 15. Jeremiah is saying, Lord, you know what's happening to me. Here's the thing. A lot of times we'll cry out to God and we're like, God, I'm in a bad way. And, oh, I haven't done anything wrong. God, help, 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 help. You know what's going on here. You know what's going on. God does know what's going on. And a lot of times... There's something going on in here that we're just not acknowledging, and as we read this, like Jeremiah's, like you know what's going on, God, you know what's going on. What God knows is that Jeremiah needs to turn toward Him. He needs to he needs to return to Him. See, even though Jeremiah's focused on, look, at, I didn't I didn't go do these things. I didn't go join in in these feasts. I sat alone because Your hand was on me. I was just as mad at their sins as you. But as I read this. It seems very interesting to me. It's like Jeremiah is watching all this stuff going on. But it's almost like, yeah, but what are you doing about it? Right? Like, what? You're just not participating. So all of a sudden that makes you good. It's interesting. But what really is interesting to me is after Jeremiah goes on this little rant about how he didn't do anything wrong and he doesn't know why he's going through a tough time, and then he says to God, Your help is as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that's gone dry. In English, <laughs> in in not like whimsical metaphorical language, basically he's going, I never know if you're going to come through. Just random if you do or don't. God. Now imagine for a moment saying that to the creator of the universe who is the only reason you're breathing. Oh, we do say that to him, don't we? When we take things into our own hands and we don't trust God, isn't that what we're saying? I can't count on you, God. So let me take control. That's interesting. But Let's look at how God responds. Verse 19. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so that you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman check it out. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. They will fight against you like an attacking army, but I will make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They will not conquer you for I am with you to protect and rescue you. I, the Lord have spoken. Yes, I will certainly keep you safe from these wicked men. I will rescue you from their cruel hands. I want to reread this part. If you return to me, I will restore you. God didn't say, I'll restore you uh, first. And then after I do, you come back. He said, Look, you want to be restored? Return to me. Then I'll restore you. And then he says, If you speak good words rather than worthless ones. Well, if God is saying, If you return to me, what is happening is Jeremiah is away from him. If God is saying, If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, what he's saying is you're speaking worthless words. If you return means you haven't. If you speak good words means you haven't. The if before means this isn't happening right now. And then this is the critical part. And I think this is so valuable in today's day and age. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. There is a, we're going to go, we're going to get real right now. There's some craziness going on in the church. Uh, no question. The church uh, for many years, and I see church, big C church, right? Um, we've not handled things very well all the time, especially when we're when we get in a um, a situation where we see things going on in the world. It, it often we don't have. Oftentimes it doesn't appear that the the people of the church, the church, because the church is really the people, it's not the building. Sometimes we struggle with people seeing the heart of God uh, in how we deal with um, sin, and uh, and frustration and uncertainty. You know when Jesus saw people who were just lost. It says he had compassion on them because he loved them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. It's not always the way that we respond as the church, right? Now, there is a time for rebuke. There is a time for speaking up, right? There's a time for saying for, for doing and saying instead of just watching and and only praying, right? Sometimes God wants us to pray and just get out of the way. And sometimes God says, it's not time to just pray. It's time to stand up and say, it's time to stand up and do right. And, uh, and that takes some discernment to know which is which, but let's just be honest for a minute and say, for many years, people in the church became so religious that, um, instead of being a hospital for the sick, the, the is that the church was a, uh, a spa for the saints if you will right it was I, I i i know so many people have been like you know once i once i get my act together then i'll i'll start going to church and i'll, I'll like as as though like hey like god can't see you right now you got to fix some stuff first and that's not how things work right so uh, i know growing up that's kind of how i viewed the church it was like oh man you gotta get your life right uh so that so that you're okay to walk in the church right there all the jokes like oh man if i walk in the church boom you know building's going to collapse or like in the movie devil's advocate with uh keanu reeves and al pacino where he like puts his finger in the hole in the, like the holy water and it starts boiling right um so there's this mindset of that well fast forward time um and now and by the way i think that our knowledge and our relationship with god should progress should grow uh god god is like doesn't change but we don't know everything about god so how how we learn and grow progresses but there's become a movement called progressive Christianity. And I hate that labels get put on stuff because then anytime somebody starts talking about making progress in their understanding of the word, people, oh, a progressive Christian. No, stop it. Throw the labels away. The problem is in this movement, as it gets labeled nowadays, some have gone so far as to just go, well, we're just going to, because we love people, we're going to embrace their choices, even though uh, some of those choices um, completely dishonor God and are a slap in the face to God. And to me, like when I look at what's going on in the world today, like, here's a good example. Okay. Um, a lot of times we'll say things like, look, it doesn't affect you. It's not harming you. So it's, it's none of your business. Well, so this morning on Instagram, I see a video, this, this girl, this poor girl's lost. I, she must have a bazillion views though. right? Cause she's now an influencer in the, in the, the pronoun community, right? Frog, frogs, pronouns. Literally, that was it this morning. She said, oh, let me show you how to use frog, frogs. That's not a pronoun. It's a, a frog is a, it's an amphibian. It's a, it's a, it's a noun. It's a thing. It's not a pronoun. He, she is a pronoun, right? That's a pronoun, right? She is going to the store. You don't say frog is going to the store. You don't, like, like there's a frog, right? That's a noun. the frog is, it's a thing. You don't go, there's a he, there's a she. You'd go, Hey, there's a guy, right? There he is. If you use a pronoun, there he is. You don't go there frog is like, it's frustrating because the world is embracing stuff that just doesn't make sense. And, and sometimes we just go, well, it doesn't affect me. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, I'm just going to follow God silently and shut up because that's the thing that I should do. And I kind of feel like that's what Jeremiah was doing. As we read this, God's like, look, if you turn to me and if you start speaking wise words, uh, you know, if you, if you'll, if you'll return to me, if you'll speak good words rather than worthless ones, then you'll be my spokesperson. And he says, you must influence them. Right now, there are influencers. This girl with all the, the weird, sad pronouns, frog, frogs, dog, dogs, cat, kittens pronouns, like there are young, impressionable kids being influenced by this and thinking that this is okay and normal. It's not okay for you, a person, creating the image of God to identify yourself as a frog or a cat or dress up in... As a furry and go to school and want to poop in a litter box. That's not okay. But often we just sit silent and go, well, that's sad. No, like it is sad. You're not helping folks by ignoring mental illness. Now, it also doesn't help to ridicule them and be mean or abusive. But here's the thing. The world is going to be influenced by people. The question is, are you one of the people influencing the world? And are you doing it in a way that aims them at God? My goal is not to get people to be like me. I Listen, I screw up a lot. I've screwed up a lot in my life. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not worthy of like this or that or the other things. Like God has done a lot of work in my life, and he's still got a lot of work to do because I'm still kind of a goon sometimes. Just I'm, It is what it is. Right? I'm not going to pretend that I'm all, like, oh, I'm perfect. No not even remotely close, but I'm not trying to tell anyone, Hey, you should be like me. You should follow what I do and, and do that. No, what you should do is open your Bible and look at Jesus and do what he did. That's what I'm trying to do. And I don't do it well all the time. But what I think we learned from Jeremiah chapter 15 today, especially, especially Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 19. And let's go ahead and read it again. This is how the Lord responded to Jeremiah, whining and complaining, right? Everything's coming down against me. My life sucks. Oh, God, oh, everybody's against me, and I can't even count on you to keep me safe. God goes, if you return to me, I'll restore you so you can continue to serve. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you'll be my spokesperson. You must influence them. Do not in, let them influence you. Friends, I love you. Yeah, just, we can. We love the world. We love the people in the world and we should love the people in this world. We should want to like love them and show kindness to them. We should stop replacing the word love with tolerance. Tolerance means you're putting up with something that you know, isn't okay. Love is intentionally being kind to someone, even when maybe the way they're acting doesn't deserve it. But sometimes the most loving and kind thing to do is to say, Hey, I don't, I think I think maybe you need some help. Sometimes the most loving, kind thing to do is to say, "Are you okay?" Because you you're a human being who is calling yourself a frog, and I'm worried about you. Are you okay? Do you need some help? And sometimes the most loving thing you can do, actually, all the time, the most loving thing you could do in the whole wide world is share the love of Christ with people, regardless of what they're doing. Sometimes you go, I know that speaking to this person about this area of their life, like going head on at that thing, they're not going to respond. They're not going to help. It's not going to get them to respond. But sometimes you can go, you know, hey, I just wanted to tell you I love you. And you can highlight things that you love about them. Hey, I just want to tell you you're an important friend. me. I appreciate the way you do that. And it may lead your friend to have a conversation with you to go, yeah, but, but you're a Christian or you go to church, so, you know, how can you be friends with me when I blank on this in my life? Well, now if they open the door to conversation, you can have one. Hey, listen, I love you. Me being your friend and caring about you has nothing to do with this area of your life, but if you're asking about what does God say about that area, like, I'm happy to have that conversation with you. Like, let's talk about it, right? Here's the thing. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why did, why did people get baptized? Do you know why? Now, I've heard great people. I've got a good friend who who's a pastor of the Church of Christ who talked about to them baptism is kind of like, uh, you know, when you buy a house, it's not yours until you sign the contract, and the baptism is the signing of the contract. I'll disagree theologically. I respect his viewpoint. But from everything I see in the Scripture, once someone believes, they were baptized. And when they got baptized, it was in front of people often, uh, because other it was just like a an outward expression of, I have made this decision for Christ. I've made this decision. My life has changed. Okay. My life has changed. Hold me accountable. Walk with me. Look at this new me. So when Jesus says, go make disciples first, make disciples, help people become students of him. And then Do what? Baptize. Why? Because when people see it, when people see someone's life has been changed, they go, I wonder why their life has changed. And then they want to know. Especially if it's changed in a good way. Especially if they see some positive change, right? That influences how other people think and act. God wants you to be an influencer. God wants you to influence people for his kingdom. I wrote this down. I'm going to read it to you, so that's why I'm looking. I see so many people following influencers on Instagram and Facebook as if every word is a gold nugget that'll restore them back to their former wealth status and glory. The challenge is a lot of the advice from today's influencers is short lived and based on current trends. So when the market shifts, so does the value of their advice. The Bible shows us that God is the ultimate influencer and he is calling you and I to return to his way of living so that he can restore us to our best life. But he doesn't stop there. He's actually calling us to be a positive influence in the life of others as well: kids, spouses, coworkers, neighbors, strangers. God wants people to see him when they see you and me. Are there areas of your life that you need to make some changes so that people see God when they look at you I want to challenge you to reflect on that today. look here's the deal. People are going to be influenced in one way or. In this world Now, if you're sitting silent, how can you influence them? You might go, well, because I just live my life and I love the Lord, so that's gonna, that's going to do it. Listen, your life may be the only Bible that some people read in their life. Seeing how you live may be the only example they see of God in the world. And if what they see is you silent, In a world of chaos, (laughs) you're not living an example for them. You're hiding. Men, I'm going to call you out. Men, we have a responsibility to speak up in the world. We have a responsibility to step up and love like Jesus. Now, that does not mean sitting silent. The fall of humanity was the fault of a man sitting silent as Adam stood in the garden and watched Satan waltz right in and lie to Eve, and Adam said, nothing. Is that how you're going to be today? You're going to continue the lineage of Adam, or are we going to say, I'm going to continue the, the lineage. I'm going to continue the, the life, the lessons, and the influence of Jesus. One of two things happen in this world. One of, a, one of three. We, we influence the world negatively like Satan. We inadvertently allow the world to influence negatively like Satan because we sit silent. Or we can influence the world like Jesus through love and truth. Often we get the. The church gets it a little backwards. We say, well, I'm just speaking the truth in love. Mm-mm-mm. Without love, the truth isn't there. That's, I've used this analogy before, but, and I'm still working on getting healthier. But when I was 300 plus pounds, if a stranger walked up and said, hey, you're at risk of heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, man, you're fat, you gotta lose weight. It would have been the truth. 100% true. Medically speaking, solid, rock solid truth. But there's no love behind that. They don't know me. They don't genuinely care about me. So why would I listen? I wouldn't. have. I didn't. Ever. But when somebody who cares says, I care about you. It wouldn't be that hard to make some minor lifestyle changes, man, to help get healthy. You've got children and grandchildren. You've got a wife who loves you. Don't you want to be your best for them? Bro, come on. See, when somebody cares, you can tell. We have a responsibility to influence a world like Jesus. Well, Jesus cares. Jesus spoke truth, but behind that truth was always a love. And it wasn't, he didn't use a bullhorn to do it. He didn't use a sandwich board and a megaphone filled with vitriol to shame people into life change. But he also didn't sit there and pretend that the lifestyles were good. You don't see Jesus affirming. lifestyle choices of the Romans you don't see Jesus affirming the lifestyle choices of Matthew and the other tax collectors who were uh, extorting money from their own people you saw him dining with them but he wasn't dining with them to become more like them see he was dining with them to show them I can love you whoever you are and and the hope was that they see how Jesus behaves and it makes me go man this is so radical I want a different life. And you know, for the 12 that got up and followed Jesus, that's what happened. Imagine, if you will, for just a moment as we wrap this up, all 12 of those people that followed Jesus, they were, they were told by a rabbi at some point in their life that they weren't good enough to do what the rabbi did. That's why they were all working in different businesses. See, if you were a young boy, you went to Hebrew school. You, if, if a rabbi thought you were good enough, they would pull you in and, Grew me to become a rabbi. But none of these guys were good enough to be an influencer for God in the eyes of a rabbi. Jesus says, follow me, fisherman. Follow me, tax collector. The most hated of the hated. Hey, you follow me. That would be like today. Pick whatever political party you hate in the loudest mouth on that side and go, hey, come follow Jesus. Come on. Let's go do this together. How crazy does that sound, right? <sighs> Yet Jesus did it because he knew and still knows that there is no life too far to be, too far gone, that can't be restored and redeemed and, and, and turned around for God. If you return to me, I'll restore you. If you speak good words rather than worthless words, you'll be my spokesman. You must influence that. Friends, there are few words wiser in 2022 than those. We must influence the culture, the country, the community for Jesus, for God. It begins in our home. Uh, So you guys might have been a while back, but we used to love the game cards against humanity. It was just fun to play, right? It makes you uncomfortable, it's weird. But it's, when you start feeling this conviction, because a lot of the, lot of the stuff in there is just not, it's, it's really not, a, it's, it's not appropriate at all. And I, I, it was a blast to play. Because it's funny seeing people so uncomfortable. But here's the reality. I wouldn't read the things, the things that are on those cards that, that you read, Like I would never say that in a conversation with somebody. I would never, I just, I wouldn't. Like I wouldn't just have a conversation and be like, oh, and I don't even want to repeat it. And I just felt this conviction one day. I was like, you know, we can't play that anymore. Just it doesn't honor God. It's not, it doesn't align with the life we're trying to live, which is not cool. And so interestingly enough, I was like, I'm just gonna put it on marketplace and sell it and try and recover the money. And it didn't sell, which is good. Because it's interesting, it, it sat on the shelf behind me. If you've watched my Bible study lives, you'd see in the box right there. Um, and it sat there for probably two months and nobody bought it. And I'm glad nobody did because it's funny. My wife and I were talking yesterday about stuff because she was tossing some Halloween decorations. Like, listen, we could celebrate Halloween, get in the costumes and candy and have fun, but we don't need to be like, it, it doesn't have to be dark and macabre and bloody and evil. It doesn't have to be. So my wife was like, you know, I feel this conviction to throw this stuff away. And I'm like, cool. And I said, you know, I also feel like I need to toss that game. That we spent, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks on it. I was like, I don't I don't want to sell it to somebody. Because I don't I don't want to put that into someone else's home either. If I'm actually trying to honor God, recovering twenty or thirty bucks shouldn't be important to me relative to uh, putting something into somebody's home that's gonna be a negative influence for them and for their children and their friends, right? Now you might say, Well, that's silly, Matt. It's a game, it's stupid. I, listen. It's okay that you feel that way. Well. I understand why you feel that way. But, you know, Paul talks about this. Um, nope, this does not even relate to Paul talking about if you feel convicted, it's a sin. Here's the thing. It, doesn't honor, it didn't honor God. It was dishonoring to God. That type of language, the way we were speaking, the way, the, the way we were behaving. It wasn't honoring to God. So, threw it away. It is what it is. Why do I tell you that? Because here's the deal. Sometimes I think, if you know, if you're watching Bible Study Live, some people can watch it and they'll be like, Oh, yeah, you just think you're good. You think you're better. Blah, blah, blah. No, i think as a guy who got his ordination back in 2006 uh i also walked away from my faith in the church for like six years a few years later and uh and i'm also on this road to restoration and and i'm not perfect nobody in the church is and so the reason i share this with you is to I just want to be honest with you guys and show you like you can be an influencer for God and share his love and his word. And you don't have to be perfect to do it. You know, we think of it in the business sense. Like once you, they say the best way to learn something is to teach it to someone else. Right. And we talk about that in the business world all the time. Like you learn a new skill, you want to quickly go teach it to somebody else and then you're going to learn it even better. But for some reason, when it comes to faith, we think, "Well, first I've got to become a master of this thing because I don't want to start talking about it and sharing it, and if I'm not a master of it." But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, "Go and master this, and then make." He said, "Go make disciples, go make students, students of who? Students of Him, right?" So I'm not trying to get you to be like me because I'm not there yet, and you know what? I won't be until this life is over, and God is fully restored me in perfection. But as long as I'm walking this earth, I'm keeping trying. And I want to take to heart the words that God spoke to Jeremiah. Return to me and I'll restore you. Mm, God, I'm I'm coming. I want to embrace these words in Jeremiah. Speak good words rather than worthless ones. You'll be my spokesman. I want to embrace these words in Jeremiah. You must influence them. And by the way, I'll close with what God said. After giving Jeremiah this instruction, if you return to me, I'll restore you. If you speak good words, you'll be my spokesperson. You must influence him. Don't let him influence you. And what's the result? If we do that, if we speak good words, if we return to God, if we become positive influencers for God's word and we're his spokesman, what is the result? They'll fight against us like an attacking army. This is what he said to Jeremiah. They'll fight against you like an attacking army, but I'll make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They will not conquer you, for I am with you to protect and rescue you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Yes, I will certainly keep you safe from wicked men. That's the promise that God gave to Jeremiah. I will rescue you from their cruel hands. Friends, I know those words were for Jeremiah, specifically for his moment in his time. But there's a reason they were written down in it, so that we can learn from them. If we return to God, if we speak good words, if we're a spokesman for God, then God will rescue us from the hands of wickedness and cruelty. I truly believe that. So listen, if you're struggling right now, if you're looking at the craziness in the world and you just want to angrily go out and uh, and and scream and yell and grab a bullhorn and a sandwich board, please stop. Don't do it. But instead, start with prayer. Get in your Bible. And create positive change wherever you can. Be a spokesperson for God. Share his word. Share his truth. It's not up to you how somebody receives it. It is up to you how you deliver it. If you have a heart that genuinely wants to see restoration in people, people will hear it when you speak it. Don't hide behind the culture. Don't be changed by the culture of this world. Be a world changer influence people. God's word is always true. God's love is always there. It's time for those of us who say, I'm following Jesus. I'm a Christ follower. It's time for those of us who say that to actually make the tough choices in life that show that. The question is will you? Will you, will you, will you? I believe you can. I believe you will, friends. I believe there are those of you watching. That say, oh, yeah, I will. I do need to make some hard choices. I need to do this. I need to make some changes in my life. I need to throw this thing out in my life. I need to do this. I need to do that. God bless you. You can do it. Listen, may, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. It is Friday. May God protect you as you go into the weekend. May he renew your spirit, fill you with hope and joy passion and love and excitement, Mm, may his words speak right into your heart so that you will be an influencer in the world rather than being influenced by the world. Lord, I pray that your spirit would rest on everybody here in this and all those who call you God. In Jesus' name, amen love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I will see you on Monday for Bible study live. If you like this, please share it. If you uh, have comments, things like that, please drop them in the comment section. Love to read them. Like I said, we won't always agree, but we won't argue. We can have some good dialogue together. God bless you. See you guys next week.